Hi, I'm Ransom Allen. And I'm Ashley Young, and welcome to this month's episode of Barely News, GBTV's official podcast. Where we'll be discussing trendy topics with new, exciting guests from around the school that you just might know. Welcome, everybody, to GBTV's very first podcast. We've got an exciting topic this episode, so let's jump right in. Today, we'll be discussing the new school starting times. If you're unaware of the new law, it states that California high schools must start no later than 8.30. Science shows that kids starting school later in the day will improve their academic performance, attendance, and overall health. Governor Gavin Newsom gives the school districts until July 1st of 2022 to implement the new start time. Yes, and this means current freshmen, we're talking to you. Today we'll be discussing with AP United States teacher and president of the Teachers Union, Brandon Del Ordo, about what it will take to implement these policies in the RJUHSD school district and what the intended effects are at Granite Bay High. Mr. Del Ordo, welcome to Barely News. Thanks a lot. Quite an honor to be here. To start off this discussion, do you agree with Governor Newsom's new law? In the abstract, I agree with the idea that we should probably try to match what is the best learning circumstance for any student across the board. In terms of the actual law itself, I think we have to deal with the law of unintended consequences, and that is part of the element of this that is going to be a problem, as far as I can tell. So when you start the idea of moving back a start time from 745 for Granite Bay High School to the mandatory earliest you could start would be 830, In essence, it's going to kind of bump everything that we do 45 minutes back, no matter what. And I think that is one of the elements that sometimes is not factored in when just the abstract reality of what is the basic sleep patterns of a student and when is a teenager best system set up for their academic performance. In the abstract, yeah, it's a great idea to start later. In terms of all the little ripples and all the different consequences that are going to happen because of such a move, I think that ends up becoming a bigger problem. So in a roundabout way, no. I'm not really in favor of it. I think we've got a pretty good system that works fairly well, and we've done great with our students over the years. They seem to be doing exceedingly well in college or the careers are going off. It is hard to get up in the morning, but I think that's a reality of life in general. So in the big scheme of life, no, I'm not really a big fan of the change. What are those ripples? Like, um, does it affect district spending? Um, like traffic. Yeah, there's going to be a whole lot of unintended consequences in this one. Um, one, one of those is going to be quite simply a monetary issue. Um, we're a pretty compact little district. We don't stretch out like a lot of rural districts. So for us, um, the bus routes really don't take a long time for the bus drivers to drive back and forth and pick up our kids. So because we have a lot of flexibility, one of the things that's happened over the last couple of decades is that Roseville Joint Union High School District has an ongoing, very symbiotic, helpful relationship, mutually beneficial relationship with um, Roseville City Schools. And it's got it dialed down pretty well, where basically two districts are sharing a fleet of buses. And we share the costs, and it helps. If we go to this new change, just in the area of money, and we can't open any earlier than 8.30, the middle schools and the elementary schools to keep this relationship going would have to open 45 minutes consecutively later than us, or they're all going to have to move to opening up earlier than us. So we're going to have to flip something. If we can't, we're talking all kinds of economic ramifications in the hundreds of thousands of dollars on a yearly basis of difference. In terms of Roseville, we'll have to, city schools will have to get their own buses. Um, Our bus drivers won't probably be able to be holding out a full-time job because it doesn't take 
eight hours to pick all of our kids up. That takes eight hours basically to pick up the kids from the entire district at all levels. Um, so there's a lot of elements like that that are not really being, I think, thought through. It's not that they haven't thought it through, but for whatever reason, the state's decided that's not more important than a kid sleeping in an extra 45 minutes. Okay, so you talked about like spending in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Who pays for that? Is it like taxes, like federal taxes, state? Like yeah, the state basically has a formula of sorts and they give the district roughly right around $100 million a year to do all the things that we have to do from paying the teachers, which are always about 82% of the overall, well, pay, paying for the entire staff, teachers, custodial, up to the superintendent, that's about 82. So the remaining 18% is what we spend on everything else we do. Um, and out of that chunk of money, we would then probably end up bearing the entire cost of running the buses for just our own kids. And we wouldn't get any help from the Roosevelt City Schools. So we'd be looking at at least three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars of money that would have to be added. And just to give you an example of how much money is proportionality-wise, we get from the state roughly $10,000 for every student who comes in, our average daily attendance, our ADA. And a 1% raise, quote-unquote, for everybody in the district, from the superintendent on down, costs the district about $800,000. So if all of a sudden we had to pick up the entire cost on a yearly basis every year for all the buses, and we can't share that cost with Rosa City Schools, we're talking a hit of about 0.7 or so raise that n people can't get or other things like that, you know, from classrooms or Chromebooks or whatever. So that would be a, an opportunity cost of a pretty significant amount if we had to do that all on our own. Okay, so you're saying like you would cut from other programs rather yeah. than... Yeah. Okay. So Governor Newsom uh, mentioned that one of the main reasons for the later start time was the health benefits of sleeping in. Uh, I just want to ask what your take on this is. Well, I mean, you know, I was a teenager once. It's hard to remember anymore in this kind of lock of gray hair I have that you can't see on the podcast. Um, but I remember part of my being tired in the morning is partly because I was staying up more at night also. And so I'm sure that the, I'm sure the science that they're basing this off is in general true, that their circadian kind of rhythms of a teenager shifts a little bit, whereas a younger child and an older person, you know, it shifts in your life. But, but, but I don't, I'm not 100% convinced, at least from what I've seen in my own life and what I've seen in the 6,000 plus students I've taught over my years, that a 45 minute shift will change things. And the example that I'm using, which is utterly non-scientific, is I have kids coming in on collaboration days that are just as sleepy as they are on days when they come in at 7.45. So we start an hour later on our collaboration Wednesdays. And the kids always love having slept in, but as far as what I see performance-wise, I don't see a real big change. I see just teenagers being busy, having glimmers of independence, probably a chance to keep their phones in their rooms now as a junior or senior where they couldn't when they're in seventh and eighth grade. Probably, you know, there's just lots of things that when you finally can close your door and you're in the privacy of your own room, kids stay up later. So when you wake them up later, it stands to reason that they might perform better. But quite honestly, I just haven't in my time on collaborations seen them being all of a sudden bubbly and bright-eyed with an extra hour of sleep under their belt. Have you ever seen maybe like an outlier? So like maybe one kid is super like jived. Oh yeah, you know there's a lot and there's you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of changes um, in this, and I think that's going to be the interesting part. You know, every year when we have the kids that do their morning practice for swim or water polo, they just come in beat senseless. You know, they're just exhausted. You can see it in their eyes. Band kids, you know, they, they start at what, 4.30 in the morning. They, they get out of here like at 2.30 in the morning. I think they sleep two hours every night. Um, they come in exhausted. So kids are going to come in exhausted. People that are doing plays or doing performances, they're just 
beat to death when they come in because they're firing on every cylinder. So I think there are parts of this that aren't going to be changed no matter what we do because we're really asking quite a bit of our young kids in high school, way more than I had ever had to do in my high school career. And I was busy in a lot of things, but you guys have so many more academic expectations on part of being busy in the extracurricular things you do. And then you have a lot more high stakes homework. I mean, I, I think part of this is just an overextension and an over expectation on teenagers in general that is now trying to look for the quick fix that will make it not be such a problem. And I don't think it's going to fix the problem. The problem is we're expecting you and your generation to do so much more than my generation was expected to do. How do you think bands, sports, and other after-school activities will be affected by the later release time? They haven't, they haven't really answered the idea what would everything else a school does look like. And let's say, for example, um, you have something like a swim meet, and it starts at 3.30. So now because we start 45 minutes later, the swim, swim meet's going to have to start at 4.25. And then if that's the case, that will just ripple farther out. So instead of being done with your swim meet or your basketball games, your varsity basketball game ending at 9.15, 9.30, now it's going to end at like a 10, 10.15, 10.30. So everything's either going to buckle farther out or this is the other problem in this we will keep sports starting at the time that they always did. And we'll just have kids missing now third period and fourth period to get to the tournaments or get to the meets or get to the things. So now they're going to actually end up losing a lot more contact time in their classes. So in other words, unless the whole system shifts, there's going to be a problem. If the whole system shifts, there's going to be a problem because we're going to be getting adults home at 1030 or so when their sleep patterns off. So we're, we're going to rub Peter to the PayPal kind of things in terms of time here. So, so I don't, I really don't feel that this change is going to bring back the value that they think without the cost that they haven't seemed to have measured. So um, when Governor Gavin, when Governor Gavin Newsom <laughs> yeah. uh, gave all these like reasons, you know, like academic mm-hmm. and health reasons, um, do you think maybe, because I know as like a U.S. teacher, you right. always know about like underlying like political reasons. Do you think there's some reasons that maybe aren't so like pure? <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out because I, I think there is a pride on many politicians and many Californians that we're kind of the cutting edge of a lot of things from the environment to electric hybrid cars to all kinds of different things. So I think on that line, there's, this has been talked about for a long time. As far as the actual underlying motives to it, I, I'm not 100% sure that this isn't more of something that, you know, you've been in my class where we talk about, we kind of go back and forth from moments where we're in crusades and we're trying to fix everything. We're trying to fix for the, you know, the underdog, the teenagers who can't speak for themselves. I think it's more of that than this being some, some kind of duplicitous thing that someone's going to make some money off this. I don't know if it's that as much as it's more the other side of that pendulum where this is kind of a crusade. We feel there's a problem. Studies have shown, and I still haven't seen, not that I've looked for it, so it's not like it's someone's hiding it, but I haven't seen like an overwhelming preponderance of every child psychologist saying, we're killing our teens, we're killing our teens. I think there's a handful of things that have said that in the abstract, generic life of a teen, their normal sleep pattern would be better to wake up later. What are other teachers about it well we've had some discussions and more than anything there's been this kind of frustration of the state kind of making everybody do something there's been a handful of teachers who are kind of in favor for it but most of them i think have been kind of along the lines that we've been talking about that it seems more of a cosmetic change i mean if it was something really big like two hours that might be something different but 45 minutes and maybe that's their plan is they'll do it incrementally 45 minutes here 10 minutes there so who do you think really pushed for this to like go through? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, child psychologists, just kind of reformers in general, a lot of times they're going to be out there asking for all kinds of changes um, and whatever that change might be in any given time. I think it's kind of coming from that corner more than anything else. I've, I've heard all my teaching career, you know, three decades plus, people talking about how hard it is for teens to operate in the morning. 
And, and I get that. It was also that for me um, back in the Stone Age. So when, when you are waking up early, that's hard. But again, I think part of it is just the natural life of a teen being told by mom and dad, you got to get to bed, you close the door, you now have a little bit of freedom. And you guys just have more freedom than we did because when I was growing up, we didn't have the cell phone issue. And I think what happens, a lot of kids are just getting even more exhausted because once you, you know, pretty much for most of the kids around that I've taught, freshmen aren't always allowed to have their phones. But by about the sophomore, junior year, you can have your phone in your room. It even becomes your alarm clock. And you guys know as well, I, and you would probably admit, you've got texts going off and conversations on Snapchat, group conversations that are going off well into 12 or 1. Now it just becomes a math thing. You're only getting four or five hours of sleep. It doesn't matter where it happened if you're only getting four or five because you're spending a lot of time talking with your friends, which is totally natural. It's normal for every team to do that. But I think we're trying to fix a problem that probably is going to be not fixable because you probably will still find teenagers across the group doing their same stuff they're doing now. They're just going to back it up 45 minutes and still be that exhausted in the morning. They'll just be waking up 45 minutes later. So really all this is just like all these problems would just increase because of that 45 minutes span. The same. I think it'll look like it is, but I, I would be willing to bet you unless you you manipulate the thing to have testing prove that it's working if you just took the academic success of kids now versus two years into this i don't think you're gonna see much of a difference again a huge thanks to mr del Ordo. he had some insightful comments about the late start time yeah i'm very interested to see how they'll implement the later start time good thing we'll both be in college by then and can probably sleep in as late as we want <laughs> yeah well grizzlies that's it for this month's episode of Barely News. If you have any interesting topics that you want discussed on the podcast, let us know by visiting the link tinyurl.com slash GBHS video bulletin. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Granite Bay TV. Next month, we'll be back with another Barely News episode. But until then, I'm Ransom Allen. And I'm Ashley Young. And from your host here at Barely News. And our producer, Bridget Lustenberger. Have a great day, Granite Bay. And go, go Grizzlies! Grizzlies.